0: Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced
1: virtual lunch table in Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business Acadiana style.
2: Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Maybe you could boil the tourism industry down into two segments, where you're going and how you get there, the journey and the destination. And between the two of them, you have the why question, as in, why bother leaving your house? For Louisiana and Acadiana in particular, the allure to travelers is an exotic land within reach. The region itself is unique, and if you land in the right spot, a coffee shop with a French table perhaps, you can be transported without going too far. But that isn't as organic as it seems. It's taken years to claw back this area's French language from the brink of oblivion, and that work is far from done. And if it disappears, that's one less reason for folks to travel here. Will McGrew has taken up the baton of uh, decades of preservation work, but with a for-profit twist. His company, tele Louisiana is part production house, part content platform, and it creates and distributes French-language content from across the state and aims to grow the broader cultural economy in Louisiana French dialects. In a sense, he's seeding the market, both creating and meeting a demand for Louisiana French film, shorts, documentaries, other media created in Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana itself is the center point here, and Will intends to build a company that sources content from all the language cultures that make a home in the state. And he founded Tele Louisiana in 2018 and has steadily built a portfolio of original content for commercial and non-commercial partners. And in 2021, he's launching two new educational series marketed at the state's French immersion programs. Will McGrew, welcome to Out to Lunch.
3: Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
2: Of course, for a lot of people, it's not about where you're going, it's how you get there. Uh, RV travel isn't just a means of conveyance, it's a way of life and one that commands a surprisingly lucrative segment of the travel economy. The RV industry accounts for roughly $50 billion in economic activity in the United States and about 9 million Americans own RVs. Uh, The sector is also starting to get a bit younger as those bellwether millennials have begun to buy the appeal of traveling the open road. What can often amount to a studio apartment on wheels, but the RV industry has been missing the connective tissue that makes hotel travel easier in the information age. Apps like Kayak.com or Travelocity don't exist to centralize booking for the RV market. and That's problematic for travelers who, by nature, go with the flow and often need a place to anchor down at the last minute. That's where Spot Tonight comes in. Created by my guest, Terry Broussard and his son-in-law, Spot Tonight offers both RV parks and RV travelers a convenient way to connect and manage bookings. And unlike the centralized booking apps in the hotel and resort industry, uh, Spot Tonight allows site operators to keep their existing booking systems. Um, It has park clients in 11 states and is developing an Apple iOS-based mobile app that will accelerate the company's growth. Uh, Terry Broussard, welcome to Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So,
2: Will, I, I wanted to start with something that I thought was kind of interesting about Tele Louisiana, which is actually that it's a for-profit operation, and I say that because you know a lot of the the sort of language preservation activity that's taking place in Louisiana, that kind of programming that I think we think of, right, can can feel like something that more typically would come out of nonprofit or public education programming, that sort of thing. So, you know, you've got a background in economics and finance. So I, I would expect that you've walked into this with some idea of what the market could be. So, you know, sort of setting aside the loftier goals here, right? How does right. your type of television programming actually make money?
3: Yes, definitely. Um, Well, so I think when we were getting started, just to explain why we went the for-profit route, um, is that for two reasons. One, in terms of the history of language preservation in Louisiana, um, lots of great work has been done, but one of the challenges has been making uh, the sustenance of our language and culture economically viable. And so we're doing it not just because we care about the heritage of our parents and grandparents, but because we want to um, create economic opportunities for people. And then secondly, because of this whole issue we have where we need to diversify our economy and we need to figure out how to make money from the assets that we have here in Louisiana. Um, and in terms of cultural assets, the language is a key part of that. And so what we discovered is that all the advantages of the nonprofit route for the most part, we can get um going for the for through, for, through the for-profit route, because we still are able to work with um various uh nonprofit partners as well as the state, codafill, et cetera. But on the flip side, by going the for-profit route, it allows us to kind of expand the value add that we can provide and expand the economic opportunities that we create, uh, notably for local businesses. And so um, with the for-profit route, it allows us to create better promotional opportunities to do um, co-productions, co-creations, get editorial feedback from some of our private partners um, in a way that public broadcasting doesn't really traditionally pursue. Um, Yeah, and so the last, the the nice thing about it is certainly at an early stage, um, we've been in operation for a a little over two years now, um, but it's really strengthened our case to the public sector, too, and to the legislature, and to the lieutenant governor, and to the governor saying, this isn't just for the culture, this isn't just for museums and nonprofits, it's also local and international businesses that are interested in um, integrating our language and culture into everything they do, their branding, their business model, etc.,
2: Sure. So, so language can be big business. And speaking of big business, I was only distantly aware of how big the RV industry was, but I was honestly still pretty surprised by the figures that, that, that I saw. And, and even though it, it seems like maybe getting a little younger, I can't really shake the idea that. You know, RV travel is something that we tend to associate with folks in maybe retirement age, um, even though the average age is say like forty-eight, if I'm if I'm correct there, Terry. But so I, I guess I'd want to start with like getting a sense of how that industry is growing and, and whether we're if this is a. A business type or a type of travel accommodation that we're really passing on to a new generation, like the sort of thing that we're seeing opportunities for, say, in the next 10 years or 20 years or 30 years?
1: Well, certainly there's been a lot of change in the demographics, as you mentioned there. Back in the day, we used to think of generally an older retired population in the large large RV buses lumbering down the road in the left-hand lane. That has certainly changed now. And now, as you said, really, it's more of the millennials. In fact, about 42% of the sector right now have moved down to the millennials. Part of that is because many of the occup- uh, occupations are extremely mobile and certainly COVID has shifted a lot of people to realize that we can work from home. If we can work from home, we can work anywhere. And so we can hang additional Wi-Fi in the RV and take off mobile and be completely mobile. So there's a huge shift there in people that are going full-time RV. And suddenly now they're realizing, wait, now I have to find a spot. And that's when they realized there was not the app where they can just pull out their phone and book a spot based on the demographics of their bus, or they would play with a search engine for spots near me only to trickle down to the bottom of the hole to find that there's no spot. And then they had to go back up and reload all their characteristics. And so that produced a problem, uh, which was extremely frustrating for many people, uh, myself included being now on my fourth RV. It's just not that easy to take out and go somewhere.
2: Yeah, so I should note for for the listeners out there that you are currently sitting in an RV having this conversation with me, and you know I've done a good bit of traveling myself. I used to be a touring musician, and I, and I often found that there would be segments of the country right where you, you'd kind of pass through, and it didn't matter, you know, how how much. Uh, cellular coverage there was, I mean, you'd run into these sort of like big connectivity issues. I mean, um, so you, you mentioned the ability to kind of do work from anywhere and how this is becoming a big part of the strategy. I mean, is there really enough like communications infrastructure to pull that off with like a big mobile environment? I mean, are we still looking at kind of like pocket issues where people are just like running out of their ability to actually talk to people? Yeah,
1: I think, it's, I think it depends on how far you want to get away there's a certain segment of the campers that are in the van life mode that like to live out uh, for free in the Bureau of Land Management lands or say uh, areas that are not an, a, an improved infrastructure area. But even there, there are now devices that can do long range cellular uh, to get some communications. And I'm seeing occupations as I visit with people and talk with campers in our one of our core customer groups Uh, Everything from online school teachers to software engineers to medical case managers that do medical chart reviews uh, to even telemedicine docs. So uh, it's very much on the, I guess, on the increase and the connection and the technology is catching up so much so that it's in many of the buses uh, now, uh, which, of course, feeds into why we want to have a mobile app to make it. uh, We need to depend on some bandwidth to a degree. So
2: this kind of makes me think a lot about just outreach in general, and you know, Will. I mean, obviously, tourism has been a big part of Louisiana's uh, economy for 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 a good bit now, and you know, there's an extent to which, like, you know, people who grew up. I'm 36, right? I kind of have to take it for granted that, that the French language, right, in its many forms, is, is is a big reason why why people come here. So, so I'm curious, like you know what kind like you know some some of the stuff you guys have coming up right is, is focusing on the French immersion programming within the school system so so how do you program stuff um, within sort of the cultural economy right that that's geared towards bringing other francophone audiences to Louisiana or other people sort of interested in uh f- Francophone culture generally here. Like, how do you make the, the distinctions between that? Like selling what we do to ourselves versus selling what we do to the outside world. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think that's I think that's a really
3: good point. Um, that in order for the tourism, our tourism economy and the amount of tourism we have to Louisiana to continue, we need to make sure that what brings people to Louisiana continues to exist and continues to be developed and flourish, really, because we can actually bring new tourists, new residents, et cetera. And so that's one of the key pieces where we say, of course, what we're doing is for tourism, but it's also for the cultural economy and for our culture here. And the content that we create is, of course, always focused on those two markets. So one, we recognize that there's a market here of people in Louisiana, as well as Louisiana expats, so to speak, across America, that really are interested in um, reclaiming Louisiana Creole, Cajun French, Louisiana French, as well as all the different cultural practices that go along with that, from boucheries to Mardi Gras, um, to festivals, et cetera. Um, but then beyond that, we know that that's what really, one of the things really that brings tourists to Louisiana, especially from countries like France and French Canada, etc. And so by creating this cultural economy here and by creating cultural content that is consumed by Louisianans here, and then hopefully in the future to the past, we did do some of this, we can have events um, and take part in festivals and have a real culture that's existing and not just an in a museum. That on the long-term is good for Louisianans because it creates economic opportunities here. I can pay my animators to create, um, you know, uh, immersion content for the immersion schools, but then also it helps keep the culture alive here. But in the long-term, that just ends up being good for tourism because then people know that the culture is not dying. It's actually robust, revitalized, young people are getting involved, it's dynamic. And so it just means even more demographics will come to Louisiana. And um, that's one of the reasons I feel like it's it's interesting. Obviously, I'm not I hadn't been that familiar with the RV industry, but I, I really like what what Terry doing too because I think um, tourism. We think okay, we, we're good at tourism, and so let's innovate in tourism, and so let's make Louisiana a global platform for how do you do tourism well. And then the flip side of it is that's another. I think in terms of this remote work question, that's a huge potential. Um, boon to revitalizing some of our small towns in Louisiana that are one of the, some of the places where our culture is most alive. Beyond tourists, there's the question of short-term visitors, remote workers, et cetera. And so I think we just really need to think globally of, we're not gonna give up on tourism, let's keep tourism, but how do we make tourism sustainable so that we're able to have people come into Louisiana and have new economic activity coming into Louisiana for generations to come.
2: You're listening to Out the Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking with Will McGrew of Tele-Louisiana and Terry Broussard of Spot Tonight. Terry, this year, we're speaking kind of in the COVID age, right, the lieutenant governor had made, I think, a big push to say, we need to get Louisianans traveling within Louisiana. And my wife and I were out not long ago, and we passed this enormous RV park. And what we found out was a lot of people actually get these RVs and they, they go somewhere within the state over the weekend and they get you know, uh, leases not too far from it. I mean, from your perspective, I'd like to hear kind of how the internal travel industry works in, in the RV world. I mean, it seems like Louisiana could be a really rich place for that sort of thing.
1: Well, it is. We have a lot of great campgrounds here and you know we are pre-launch right now and looking. it uh, looks like our launch uh, for the app will be here within the month. I've just uh, brought on my first park, which is up in Natchitoches, up at Grand Decor, happens to be one of my favorite ones as well. Uh, It's, you know, part of Louisiana that I had not been to before, uh, except for the Christmas lights, and so it's got a great campground. So when you look at Louisiana, and in particular you look at both the private parks and the state parks, you've got a pretty broad spectrum of what do you want to do today? Where do I want to camp? Do I want to go towards the water? Do I wanna be near New Orleans? Do I wanna experience the, the outdoors and go out in the wilderness? Uh, do I wanna go into the basin and go to the swamp? Uh, I can do all of that uh, in Louisiana camping. And that's really our adventure. We have the ability to add filters on the top of the stack for your traveling preferences. So if a park has a special feature, whether it's a, a boat launch, fishing ponds, or even horse pins, I can put that if that's what you're looking for, it will help filter it and it'll take away all the other stuff so that you find those parks that you're looking for. And in listening to all of this with Will, you know, Paul uh, and Petit Francais, maybe I need uh, to write in version two a French skin overlay for the app because I'm I just I'm brainstorming here that uh you know, that would entice French travelers to Acadiana to use the app and find our parks. And, uh, you know, Caravan, as they call it overseas, is very big as well. Do international travelers
2: take RVs? Like, Do they come to Louisiana and rent an RV and, like, pack around to all the, the campgrounds?
1: Is that a thing? Yes, they do. I have known several that will fly into the States. They will lease. There are many leasing companies. Uh, we have an affiliate that we are um, merging at the integration level. Uh, through RV Share, where you can go online and rent your bus, and then people say, "Well, wow, now where can I put it?" Well, of course, we have all of that data in our parks, so then we can find parks and offer up parks that would actually meet your traveling preferences as well. So they do that. A lot of them do it. They'll come over for a month. You know, there many of the countries get nice long, long vacations, and they come over and rent and travel through America and and go back. So, so Will, I've kind of. I asked you some
2: questions, kind of thinking more about the demand side of this, right? But but you, you would sort of take it for granted that Louisiana has a supply of people to create the content. But I am curious, like, I mean, you know, it sounds like you mentioned animators, yes. right? Like people in Louisiana who are doing animation. We, we've had, you know, film booms here in the past. But uh, I mean, are you finding it's easy to, to sort of get the kinds of people together, especially if you want to say highlight the Cajun dialect, right. right. Versus say a Parisian dialect or whatever it is. Like, you know, if you want to do something in that dialect, I mean, is it easy to find a French animator who speaks, you know, the, the version of Cajun French that like is around St. Landry Parish <laughs> or something like that. I mean, how do you do that?
3: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I think Terry is a good example of like, actually at first it seems like more of an overwhelming challenge than it is because there's actually a lot of people all around Louisiana who, Um, actually do speak French, varying levels of French are actually very are very much experts on the culture um, and are ready to talk or or do an interview about the culture. But at the same time, it is true that this is one of the challenges we have in Louisiana in terms of like fully developed professionals who can fully work in both English and French. You know, myself uh, personally, like, you know, I consider myself bilingual, but obviously I'm more comfortable working in English than I am in French. And that's true, I think, of probably most of the people on our team. Um, so really, that was kind of the first step to starting to tell telling museum is that, you know, I have an economics and finance background, and so I think about this as infrastructure, and that's what the kind of the point I was trying to make earlier is that I think sometimes we think, oh, let's just attract rich people or important people to Louisiana, but really, people love Louisiana, and so sometimes we can do things for ourselves, you know, and create infrastructure here, create startups, create apps. Um, create staycation opportunities, create cultural um, content, et cetera, and then that's for locals. But then international folks and other people across the country, of course, will want to come here for that too. Um, and so, yeah, I think that has been the first challenge. Um, but I've been able to find, in you know, the two buckets of content we've really been focusing on, which are one, uh, this animated programming for the immersion schools, as well as interview style content, um, you know, on YouTube. That's a little bit easier, documentary style you know, we've been able to find the team that we need. Uh, Definitely, it's a little bit, it takes a little bit longer. It can be a little bit more expensive than it would be if we were in, you know, Quebec where there's a full bilingual workforce. Um, But yeah, there really is, the supply is there. And so it's really, the key challenge is just kind of matching that supply to the demand and then making the case to the public and private partners that this really is economically viable. It's not just folklore. It is folklore. It is part of our culture, but it is also part of our economic future and our potential economic diversification.
2: So so is this, you know, I think I've, I've focused a lot on sort of the, the you know, creating animation, right? Or, or sort of what people would think of when they hear a term like tele Louisiana, like it's got kind of a channel-like vibe to it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it sounds like you're, you're talking about really applying, um, you know, multilingualism to different parts of the louisiana experience right like so conceivably like when terry's talking right. about like hey you know maybe i should put this skin on my app that allows people to either you know do this rv experience generally and you know go from campground to park ground uh in french if they want to i mean is that my kind of understanding kind of the longer term vision it's less just about all right well we got to create you know video content in french but like no we need right. to create a, an economy of french can make it a, a language of currency again
3: Right. No, I mean, I think, I think that is correct. And it, it started with the video content. When I was doing my analysis kind of on the market and on the infrastructure, I noticed there was a key need and a key um, missing element in terms of the media piece that you look at Quebec or you look at Acadia, where many Cajuns were originally from, or, you know, other countries like regions of Spain or France. One of the key pieces that they have is all education to kind of keep the language alive, but then a media piece. And now we have our immersion schools, which are doing an an amazing job. I think there's an argument for bringing more of the Louisiana dialect into the immersion school. And that's exactly what we're doing um, with our educational programming, but overall they're doing a great job. And so we thought with the media piece, not only will we allow people, you know, like Terry maybe, or like me or whoever else who have varying levels of interest and exposure to the language to kind of reclaim it Get reintroduced to it, et cetera, start practicing it, improving again. But then also, we can start changing the mindsets and the mentalities about oh, wait, does Louisiana French have to die? Is Louisiana French pas du bon français? Is it not good French? No, it's good French. We should be proud of it. You know, changing all those mentalities and stereotypes. And so that's why we got started with the video, but very quickly, as we've been doing this work, many of our partners said, "Oh, we love what you're doing. Can you trans- can you you know translate our full website? Can you do bilingual social media? Can you do events for us? You know, they really want to do. They realize that the benefit of bilingualism and in- incorporating the French is just maybe not 100% twofold, but it is a mul- multiplicative factor where it's like incorporating the culture and the language into what you do." accesses a new audiences that speak another language, but it also makes your business or your event or whatever you're trying to do more dynamic and interesting. And so we're laser focused on the video content that takes a lot of work, but yes, at, currently and in, in the future, um, we're, we're, we want to provide as many professional services as we can provide um, to kind of provide that value add and strengthen our local businesses and, and cultural institutions.
2: So Terry, I mean, some of something the, that's you mentioned earlier like the, the the current iteration of the app that will launch right you can go and say well if I you know I'm looking for a place that's near a boat launch and you mentioned maybe you could add another skin or you could add layers but it kind of has me thinking about the way RV travelers think about where they're going right Like, and, and some of these things might be harder to sort of like literally pin down on an app but I mean is it possible I mean I, I'm kind of asking the question more like you know thinking about your technology and also the culture of how, how folks travel and thinking like do, do people sort of think to themselves like you know I really just want to go to Louisiana And I want to know if this campground is going to get me close to a place where Cajun French is spoken and they have French tables. Like, is that something that you're able to do, you know, on the long horizon?
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, The ability of our app, you know, let's back up just a second. And that to say that, first off, we're doing what has not been done before, and that is talk to multiple different stovepiped booking systems, much like is done in the hotel world on some of those big apps, Priceline, Travago, that talk to Hilton, they talk to Holiday Inn, they talk to Red Roof, they talk everywhere. All of those things are already out there, but no one's done it in the RV. But we take it a step further because as you just said, uh, in the RV world, it would be akin to trying to book a hotel room and say, I wanna make sure I have 50 amps on that wall over there because I have to hook up to it, right? I wanna make sure I have water and sewer and how's the Wi-Fi, which is now almost everywhere in hotel world. So you take that to the RV world and then we wanna combine a view. Do I want shade over my RV or do I need sun because I have solar on the roof and a satellite dish that's mounted to the roof that does absolutely nothing under a tree. So in our app, back to that, we took those filters and we can add as many as we want on the top of the stack in your profile. And then we integrate with those systems to offer up when you put in the date, your vehicle length, what type of vehicle, are you a bumper tow or diesel? All those demographics all help filter through to produce a resolution of the spots that meet your criteria and your destination. And uh, it's it's amazing the welcome that we've had in the industry. We literally came up with this idea sitting in my backyard here looking at the RV one Friday when my son-in-law said, hey, let's go camping tonight. And I said, buddy, you're in South Louisiana, you don't have a reservation, we're not going anywhere because it's that popular down here. And so that was the genesis of this about 14 months ago. So we are, uh, have been coding for about a year and uh, we'll be out, You know, like I said, this month. Uh, we're off to the Florida RV Super Show next week. Uh, will it be our first big trade show, about 70,000 historically in attendance. And so uh, you know it'll be interesting. We're bringing some Louisiana product to show on the table. And uh, we're pretty excited about it. Where, where do
2: people go? Like if it's that big to where like on a Thursday night or whatever it is, and you're like, well, I want to go camping. And you can't because it's that popular. Like what are, what are people
1: doing? They're not going anywhere in an RV if the, all the spots are full. Yeah. And now I have a belief that a part of it is it just was so frustrating to find a spot. I believe that there's vacancies out there that campgrounds want to fill And if the app, uh, if they're loaded into the app, they will come to the surface, right? Even if it's one and two nights. And if you've been to that park a couple of times and you mark it as a favorite, perhaps you get an alert on Thursday that says, hey, Christian, you know, this favorite park, Terry's RV Park, has has a sudden cancellation. And you call up somebody and say, hey, we got a vacancy. Let's roll this weekend. The weather's great. And so a lot of it's spontaneity. Uh, that we hope to be able to capitalize on because our app offers some unique geolocation of every park spot that we onboard, we geolocate the actual parking spot. And so we're able to do such unique things as arrive at the gate, give the traveler uh, Wi-Fi codes, gate codes, so they can have a contactless check-in. They don't have to see anybody. It's paperless. It's the reservations paid for. Uh, they get that when they drive up to the gate all automatically. So it's uh, pretty high tech. It's, uh, it's really exciting. So, so what's, what's
2: different about the RV travel experience in Louisiana than it would be somewhere else? I mean, is, is it, are people kind of looking for the same sorts of things, you know, natural views and the, the, the splendor of the natural world? Or, or does a person travel in an RV in Louisiana for
1: different reasons than they might in Texas? I, th- I think that, of course, we offer a lot, right? Louisiana is unique, sportsman's paradise, as we used to say. Uh, there's a lot of that here in Louisiana, and because of the different regions of the state, Um, you can actually find different things that you want to do. If you want to go to a rodeo out towards Lake Charles, there are a lot of campgrounds over that way. Uh, If you want to go uh, again, like I said, to the basin, if you want to go to the new Orleans area, there are a lot of campgrounds down there. Don't try to find one during Mardi Gras season. Uh, If you want to go to the North uh, I love going up I 49 because the road is so smooth in the RV Uh, And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of wilderness up there, but I mean, really between here and Alexandria and then Shreveport and then over towards Monroe, a lot of wilderness out there. So, again, it's a it's a variety. I think people like to do different things. Um, I, for one, like to kind of get away from it all. And uh, sometimes I just sit there and go through the RV and use it for maintenance time and relax. You know, it's uh, it's what I enjoy about it. For us, it's family. When we did our market research and we interviewed all of the people that we had submitted, the branding team came back and said, you know, really, everybody has a common denominator in your Spot Tonight community about family. And that's why our hashtag of GoTogether became so popular for us, because really, uh, it is an opportunity to bring families together. And I think that is itself, right, is is, uh, really a part of what Louisiana is about. And uh, my son-in-law, who's not from Louisiana, he said, you know, that was one of the things that attracted him to the RV community back into the RV because it really was so much uh, family-centric.
2: So so it makes sense. I mean, Louisiana always feels like such a diverse place within itself. And, and Will, you know, if, if a lot of what you're doing is trying to, to, to create... You know currency around this sort of the idea of Louisiana French, which really is a multifaceted concept, right? There are different versions of it, different dialects of it. I mean, how do you present or reflect such a vastly diverse place, you know, that way? If like that's what you're trying to sell, it's like this, you know, one idea, right? If I can boil it down that way. How do you do that?
3: Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely a challenge. Um I, I definitely consider myself to be like a, a Louisianist or a Louisiana unificationist. I just think that you know, I'm from New Orleans, I'm here in New Orleans now, but I'm, you know, in Acadiana all the time. My main business partner, Drake is Drake LeBlanc, is based based in Lafayette, um, as well as I think the majority of our team is in Acadiana. And so um, I I love the differences. It's been fascinating um, as a part of Tel visiting, you know, from Avoyles to Terrebonne to interviewing uh, Cocoa and Cutoff to uh, going up to Dakadish, you know, uh, obviously, Lafayette, Lake Charles, et cetera, um, parts of New Orleans. So it's, you know, you see, it's all these places are quite different from each other, but then I'm always struck um, by the similarities. Um, and so, from the linguistic front, of course, there is a bit of a challenge. Um, which dialect do you choose? But I think we've done a, we, we let people speak how they want to speak, and we've done a pretty good job of trying to promote the Louisiana things that are in common across the Louisiana terms that are in common across the different. Parishes and across the different regions. Um, but then overall, I think we want to show the, the unity in our diversity. You know, I love how Terry said that go together was part of their part of their catchphrase. And so I think, you know, I think in this divided time uh, as a country, for sure, as a world, and, and Louisiana too, it, we just really should focus on what we have in common. And in this time where we can't, you know, take part in many of our traditions that we usually do from festivals and Mardi Gras taboucheries, et cetera. Um, it kind of makes you realize that, oh, wait, you know, I'm from New Orleans, but my buddy's out in Lafayette and my buddy's in a Boyle's Parish. We all kind of celebrate Mardi Gras on our own way. And we all, you know, um, eat gumbo. Uh, we all eat different other Louisiana foods. Um, many of us have connections to the French language. Um, so there's so much more in common than what divides us. And so that's one of the things that has been most fulfilling about working working with Ted and starting this project has been um, there's people that are neutral or don't really care, uh, but most people are either, uh, most people are for it. You know what I mean? From, you know, this is the only thing I'll say in politics, from, you know, your most far right to your most far left, almost all, always there's some level of appreciation to like, yeah, we have something unique here. Um, we love it. That's why people love us. And we got to do something to, you know, make it more present, keep it alive. Um, yeah. And make it sustainable.
2: You know, travel is such a great way of discovering, you know, humanity and basically everybody. And and so, you know, kudos to both of you for for working in a space that, that really celebrates that and finding ways to, to facilitate it and, and make this place kind of a more understanding and, and you know, human way of communing with each other. Um, Will and Terry, it's been great to have both of you on the show. Um, thanks for joining me after Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Will McGrew of tele Louisiana and Terry Broussard of Spot Tonight. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Will and Terry and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from the show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of her work at laflorephoto.com Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morrell. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Christian Bader. I'm the editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. You can find out more about what matters in Lafayette by uh, checking out thecurrentla.com and signing up for our newsletters. I'll see you here again next time, though, around our virtual lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch Acadiana.
0: Bye-bye.